0: Drinking low alcohol wine is a huge advantage to your health and your wellness and how you're going to feel and your hydration levels, you know, not waking up in the middle of the night dehydrated. The alcohol is a really toxic and dangerous drug, one that we should treat with care. Here's the other problem with, with the wine industry. They're in collusion with the government. Again, the wine stated, the alcohol stated on a bottle of wine by law is not required to be accurate
1: when it came to eating and dieting i couldn't i couldn't do it I interviewed over a thousand women and I said, what did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What did you eat? How'd you do it? If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantelle Ray, author of Waste Away the Chantelle Ray Way. And each week I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode. And I'm so excited to have Todd White with Dry Farm Wines. And I'm going to start, Todd, by welcome you and asking you to walk us through a day in the life of Todd. What did you eat yesterday, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner?
0: Oh, awesome. Well, I only eat once a day. So I do 22-hour intermittent fast. And last night I had, oh wow, just a smorgasbord of things. I was in a Japanese fusion restaurant last night and so um there was uh oh wow just just uh a grilled cabbage and i had okra and i had uh, a tomato salad and uh and a grilled duck skewer anyway it's very tasty one of my favorite restaurants in los angeles i'm down at the beach on the west side in santa monica and this little restaurant is over on abbot kenny in venice beach so anyway that's uh but yeah, so I drink a bottle of wine and I eat dinner. And uh, other than that, I don't eat during the daytime. Just uh, water, only, water only, actually.
1: That's awesome. So tell me, is there any kind of, like, if let's say during the, in the morning you, um, or like at lunchtime, you were like, I am starving. Like, do you have any things that you do to kind of curb your hunger to keep you going?
0: You know, because I'm ketogenic, I mean, I never get hungry. Um, I'm not even hungry, really, when I eat at night. And oftentimes do extended fasting as well for you know three to five or seven days. Try to do those every month or two, uh, at least a three day once a month. But uh, you know I don't really. I think you know if you drink a glass of water, you'll find that that's helpful. You know and most, especially if you're ketogenic, I mean you're just not hungry, right? Uh, because it's, it's hunger suppressing. There are hormones that are hunger suppressing when you're on a ketogenic diet or if you're on a regular fasting schedule or regular intermittent fasting, if you do, like me, if you eat only once per day, I mean, you're gonna be in ketosis by virtue of starvation by middle of the afternoon anyway. So, um, you know, eating is largely emotional. Um, It's largely psychological. I mean, it becomes a point when, of course, we have to be fed naturally, we'll starve. But for the first few days, it's largely psychological and and you'll really learn this and experiment with this if you experiment with fasting and um, ex, you know if if you're already low carb or keto fasting is pretty easy and so it's more difficult if you're you know if you're not accustomed to it but uh, but no I don't I don't I don't really ever you know if um, if I'm ever hungry it's really psychological it's like I'm bored or you know same reason people eat on an airplane Right they don't eat on the airplane because the food's good they eat because <laughs> they want something to do you know because they're bored they're trying to pass the time right. it's just another distraction away from you know the process of thinking or so yeah when you when you experiment with fasting you learn quickly as i did i'll tell you what i learned the most by i used to eat twice a day i used to eat like a late lunch and an early dinner uh, on the 16 8 lean's what's known as the lean, lean gain method of fasting, intermittent fasting. But when I went to eating once per day, which I did about three years ago, for about a month, um, you know, I would have psychological desires to eat. But I, not not that I was hungry, but, you know, it was just, just psychological. Same thing happened when I gave up caffeine. Mm. Um, for several months after I – and the only reason I gave caffeine up was because – I gave it up for a fast and I realized how addicted I was to it. And I was just like, didn't feel great about it. So I, I just decided to give it up altogether. And for about a month or two after that, you know, I would still romanticize having a coffee, right? It wasn't that I wanted the caffeine. Uh, right. and it was just, it was just that romance, you know, it's just, it's, it's largely psychological.
1: Well, we were at the Mindshare Summit together, and it was so funny when I was listening to you talk, I was like, yes, yes, amen, like everything you were saying. I was like, (laughs) it was so funny. All right, well, let's jump right into our listener questions. The first one is from Megan in Indianapolis. She says, I love wine, especially a good cab. I drink a couple of glasses at least three times a week, but I've noticed that the mornings after I drink it, I feel a lot of pressure in my sinuses. It's almost like I'm so congested. Am I crazy? Is this in my mind or is there some kind of connection? Megan in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, no, it's real. Uh, She's not crazy, in fact. Mm -hmm. What she's suffering from is a reaction to biogenetic amines and the two primary offenders And this is what most women associate with feeling bad from drinking wine and particularly red wine is these, uh, tyramine and histamine, which are quite high in commercial wines. They're quite low in natural wines because of the style and the way the wines are made. So that's the reason that, you know, most people with histamine sensitivities can drink our wines, but can't not drink traditional wine. Mm. And so, um, in fact um as you know the primary histamine blogger just passed away uh, i'm sure you saw that memorial at my share yes. yeah oh. she was in fact um she in fact was was a partner and in, and in, in, endorsed our wines to the, his, to the histamine community so that stuffiness is is a is an amine reaction uh, and the two primary offenders in wine are tyramine and histamine so mm-hmm. that's that's what that stuffiness is i, I also i'm not I'm not histamine sensitive, but if I drink commercial wines, I get a sort of a tightening um, in my uh, frontal cortex. Like I just can feel it. Right. And uh, and it's probably related to, to some kind of an amine.
1: Mm, great. All right. This is from Doug from Peterson. I drink a lot of wine. I like both red and whites. I'm not picky. But it seems like if I overdo it with red wine, I end up with a much worse headache the next morning than I would after drinking white wine. What's up with that?
0: Well, it's, 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 it's several different things. Again, it primarily goes back to the winemaking style, the commercial wines, the style of wines that they make because it's a style that people are... Uh, interested in drinking so there's a whole bunch of different things between the red and the white but the primary difference between red and white is that the red wine has contact with the skin and the seeds that's how it gets its color And white wine does not so white wine actually has no contact with the skin it's just free-run juice now if you squeeze, if you squeeze the juice from a red wine grape and you squeeze the juice from a white wine grape they're both clear So red wine gets its color from contact with the skins, but here's what's happening. In order to make the wine more extracted and concentrated for bigger, bolder flavors, the winemakers, commercial winemakers, are leaving the wine in contact with the skin for a really long time, right? That's not the way natural wines are made. So the reason they do this is because it produces a greater body of texture in the wine. It also creates darker, darker color, and so Americans believe that the darker a red wine is, the more the higher quality it is. Of course there's no truth to that statement, but that's just a myth. And so winemakers macerate or have contact with the skin for very long periods of time to get this body and boldness and darkness. Mm. Well, that extraction, that extraction process is a winemaking style. It's also unhealthy. And mm. and it leaves it, it, we don't know exactly why, but the longer these extractions take place, the worse you feel from drinking the wine, right? And so well, one thing with wine is just like nutrition, there's just not a tremendous amount of, of studies out there that really validate what we know anecdotally because you can't do control group studies on people on nutrition, right? Because you can't control what people eat and drink. And so you can only control their representation of what they did right and so we don't have a lot of great nutritional information in terms of scientific studies nor are there a lot with wine either right just because a nobody to fund it b no way to control it and then when you get into these nutrition or you get in all these science studies you know all of these studies can be designed to look or lean any way you want it to lean, right? And so and also it doesn't take into account all the cofactors. So let's say with cofactors with me, well, I'm an intermittent faster. I'm also ketogenic. I have a super you know, I have a super active fitness regimen. I'm an athlete. Well to compare, you know, how I'm gonna test out on things against somebody who who is has a standard American diet, is on some kind of pharmaceuticals, takes all kinds of maybe they take some kind of crazy supplements, you know I mean? It's just like, these things are very difficult. You know, we don't know, like with intermittent fasting or the ketogenic diet, we don't know all of why we get the benefits. You know, we don't know if it's, is it calorie restriction? Because I'm just eating less. Is it eating less often? Uh, Therefore having, uh, you know, fewer hormonal responses to food? Is it that I'm not eating you know, highly glycemic foods. And so we're not having a block. We don't know exactly because there's so many things happening at the same time. Hormonally, you know, we're not really sure the same thing is true for all nutrition, everything you eat and drink. It's just very hard to have, you know, quality science around it. What we do know though, for sure is anecdotally when we drink these additive free clean wines that we feel better. Right. For sure. Right. So that, yeah, I mean, and, uh, and there look, As you know, I've talked to you about this before. I mean, there's 76 additives approved by the FDA for use in winemaking. Four of them are quite toxic. Some of them are quite natural, but there's 76 additives. Now, the bigger important issue here is that the reason that your audience does not know about these 76 additives is because the wine industry spent millions of dollars in lobby money to keep contents labeling off of wine, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a transparency issue. And so right now, the wine industry is intentionally misleading people and not letting them know transparently what's in the bottle. So of the 76 additives and of the four that are toxic, I can't tell you which ones are in which bottle of wine. I can tell you there are none of them in our wine. But in any wine, when you walk into a grocery store and you see all those bottles, I I couldn't tell you which ones contain additives, which additives, and which one don't because there's no transparency. Mm. And so that, that's, that's the real problem when you go to choose wine. You just don't know. The only way you know for sure if you're drinking a natural lab-tested wine is buy it from us, right? right? Because we're fanatics and, you know, and, and we, we walk the walk that we talk, right? So, I mean, it's like I'm drinking the same wine that I sell, right? And so, right. and we care deeply about what we put in our body. <laughs> And most of your audience probably cares about what they put in their body. And so for that, you know, and, and if, you're, you know, if you weren't buying your wine from us, then your next second best is to try to find a retailer who sells natural wines. That's a specific category of wine, which means that it's additive free and that it's fermented with wild native yeast and that it's organically or biodynamically farmed. So anyway, that's, awesome. that's, that's a lot of the story here.
1: All right, this next one's from Alyssa in Omaha. When I drink one glass of regular wine, I get a massive wine headache. Why is it that I could have three or four vodka tonics and not get a headache?
0: Well, again, this is this is the impurities that she's not drinking natural wine. She wouldn't get a headache from natural wine. Uh, so these are the impurities that are in the wine they could be additives they could be toxins from farming could be glyphosate could be sugar and the combination of sugar and alcohol is a pretty nasty pretty nasty combination if you drink a shot of tequila that's a very different feeling than you'll have from drinking a margarita right so when you combine alcohol and sugar together it just becomes particularly nasty particularly in your hangover so but but there are a lot of impurities in wine, unless you're drinking a natural wine, right? And, yeah. And, and, and you've had the experience. And you've drank our wines. I mean, it's not the same, yes. right? And so, and so But we're also we're doing independent lab testing. So of all the wines that we taste from around the world, we don't sell any wines from the United States, by the way, because there are no wines made in the U.S. that meet our standards of health and purity.
1: Wow. And so that,
0: No, they're just not any here. So all of our wines are grown in Europe, small, very small family farms. I have four growers in South Africa. I say growers because wine is grown, not made, right? Because if you're not doing anything in the cellar but using wild native yeast that's on the skin of the grape to ferment the wine with no other additives or additions, you're not really making wine, you're growing it, right? Because everything you need to make wine is already on the grape. The only thing you need to make wine is yeast and sugar in the juice, right? And so the yeast eats the sugar and the byproduct of that is ethyl alcohol and carbon dioxide. As long as you have yeast present, now what's happening in commercial wines, like when you walk in the grocery store, you see all those wines on, You see hundreds of different wines, right? On the shelves. Those wines are not made with wild native yeast. They're made with genetically modified, Mm -hmm. commercially lab-grown yeast, right? And so, because that yeast is easier to work with, wild native yeast, which is on the skin of all wine grapes in the world. Every Every wine grape in the world has yeast on the skin. It collects through the air naturally. So if you just pick a cluster of ripe grapes and you throw it into a bucket and the skins break open, it will begin to ferment because there's yeast on the skin. That is the yeast that natural winemakers use to make wine. And so all they need is to put the grape, is to press the grape and then, and, and then have the temperature rise to a point where the ac- yeast will activate, mm-hmm. right? It won't activate if it's too cold. And then, and then you, you make wine with nothing but just what you grew. So this is the reason we say wines are, our wines are grown, not made.
1: I like that. I like that. Jessica from Arlington says, I'm obsessed with wine, but I've heard sulfates aren't good. Can you tell me any wine that's completely sulfate free?
0: Well, that's impossible. Here's why. Sulfites are naturally occurring in fermentation any food that's fermented whether it's kombucha or sauerkraut or any uh, any food that is fermented contains sulfites they're naturally occurring as a part of the fermentation process the question here is is the winemaker adding additional sulfur dioxide to sterilize and preserve the wine that's one of the tests that we run and we do not allow more than 50 parts per million of sulfites which can be naturally occurring. Most of the wines that we sell are somewhere between five and 10 parts per million. The US limit is allowed to be 350 parts per million under the law. And so you'll see these higher sulfite wines in commercial wines because what they're using the sulfur dioxide for is to sterilize and McDonalize the wine, making it sort of a shelf consistent taste from bottle to bottle, year to year, because they're selling, you know, they're selling this this shelf stable kind of product that's not alive. They've sterilized it. When they sterilize it with the sulfur dioxide, the they also kill all of the friendly microbiome, all the friendly bacteria that is helpful to the microbiome that is killed in the sterilization process too. Dr. David Perlmutter just recently did a post. A blog post on our wines and the living bacteria that has been tested and found in them. Because when you don't sterilize a wine and it remains alive and natural, all the bacteria that's in the wine is also alive and natural. And it's very friendly to the gut biome.
1: Mm. I have a great idea for your next commercial. I just thought about it because of what you said. So I don't know if you remember this commercial. It was probably 15 years ago. And it was a Hebrew National Hot Dog commercial. And it had this Uncle Sam on there. And he goes, the government says we can add this filler in our hot dogs and this and this chemical in our hot dogs. And he goes, but we don't. And then he's like, the government Says we can add this and this and this. And he's like, but we're Hebrew national. We are a higher standard. And my mom used to like quote that for something all the time in my oh, family. Nice. Nice. And I'm thinking that's what you should do. That should be your next commercial because it says, you know, the government says we can have 350, you know, milligrams of sulfites, you know, but we don't. We have a higher standard. So there's the, the marketing tip for the for the week because that's nice. true all right this is clarissa from san diego uh, we just went there it says i really like Mallee wine m-e-l-e-e wine it's one of my favorite gifts to give to people but i'm assuming it's not organic can you recommend a nice organic wine that doesn't taste like organic wine
0: well, that's, that, that's another really important thing to understand. I'm not familiar with the specific wine that she mentioned, so I don't know. But um, here's the thing. Just because a wine is organic does not mean it's natural.
1: Mm. So
0: organic is only the farming practices. Now, I tell you, you'd be better for the planet and better for your body if you drank organic wine but that doesn't mean it's natural that doesn't mean that it's additive free that doesn't mean it doesn't contain sulfur dioxide or or any of the other 76 additives it simply means that it was grown organically so now so just to clarify that so all natural wines are either organic or biodynamic biodynamic farming is a prescriptive form of advanced organic farming so all natural wines are always organic or biodynamic however not all organic or biodynamic wines are natural Mm. so a natural wine must be farmed organically or, or biodynamically however an organic wine is not necessarily natural. It may contain additives. It very likely does. Like if you go into Whole Foods, you have to think of it this way. If if you go into Whole Foods and you see a, you go into Whole Foods and you see an organic wine or even a biodynamic wine, in order for that winery to produce enough volume to satisfy the buying needs of someone like Whole Foods, they can't, you can't make natural wines in that volume. So I can tell you that those wines are not natural because natural wine is always fermented with wild native yeast. You cannot ferment wild native yeast and make wine in very high volumes. It just, it's just not possible. Yeah. The, the yeast is too unstable and also it's impossible to make wine in high volumes without the use of these other additives and chemicals. The reason being is that you just it's the, the environment is too unstable the uh the the bacterial environment and you end up the wine can spoil without the use of these additives
1: hey guys we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast but we're also interested in your journey so if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit we want to hear about it email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at chantellerayway.com now back to the show Michelle in Tampa, I've been doing intermittent fasting for a few months now and doing two meals a day, and I'm slowly trying to go to one meal a day. Do you have any tips?
0: Well, I, I think the greatest I, I think the greatest obstacle, well, it's definitely psychologically first, but I'll talk about that in a minute, but the greatest obstacle to most people is who they're surrounded with, right? So if you're living in the house, if you're single, you know, it, it, as if you're single or in a relationship with someone who also wants to experiment on these things with you, then that's awesome. If you're living with someone or other people who don't subscribe to what you're trying to do, and then there's this constant stuff around you all the time, right, then that makes it more difficult. But let's just say that you're single. Then uh, what's the next hurdle to get over? Well, the next hurdle is really psychological, right? So you'll find that going to eating once a day is pretty easy once you kind of get past that, that psychological addiction, that, you know, that pleasure, or it, also just the distraction. See, I, I think because I, because I have a serious meditation practice, I think also helps with my fasting. Mm. Because one of the reasons that we eat is that it is it is, a, it is, it draws us away from the trauma of thought, right? And so the trauma of thinking is also what leads us to entertainment, going to movies, watching television, porn, sex, eating, all these things are distracting us and really giving us a way to get away from this trauma of thinking. So if you have a regular meditation practice, then that over time, not in the beginning, but over time teaches you to silence your mind, right? And to be in the present moment. And I think that's very helpful for fasting, but, Mm -hmm. but drinking a lot of water, staying hydrated, um, water is filling. You know, water's quite filling. Um, I found I think that caffeine helped me. Caffeine is also an anti-hunger suppressant, and so uh, or a hunger suppressant. I think caffeine. I don't drink it anymore, but I, I, I imagine it was probably useful to me when I was first started fasting. But um, but having a support system around you, you know, being surrounded by people who want to be supportive of what you're trying to do, it's impossible. You know, for most people who work in a traditional office setting, like at my company, you know, there is no, there, I mean, there's a kitchen, but there's not anything in it that's that's not helpful, right? But for most people, their break room and their kitchens at their office is just filled with, you know, vendors bringing in donuts and birthday cakes. It's always somebody's birthday and then cakes come out and yeah, I don't care how disciplined you are. I mean, it's hard, you know, when you're in that setting. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're walking in and out to get a water or something or a cup of coffee, and you're going to walk past this stuff all day long. It's hard not to just have a little pinch, you know? Yeah. And so, being in the right setting and, and, and having a support system around you, I think, is really important. But just breaking through and not snacking, you know, don't give in. You know, I mean, once you get past it, you can conquer it. You know, every time you snack, you're going to have a hormonal response of glucose, right? I mean, of insulin. You know, unless you're eating poor, unless you're eating pure fat, anything else you digest in the way of food, unless it's pure fat, is going to create an insulin response. And then you're going to be right back on that, you know, that kind of peaks and valley of trying to feed that glucose.
1: Yeah. We had a, a psychologist come on the show, and one of the things I love that she said, she said, you need to sit with unease to prevent disease. So let me say it again. You need to sit with unease to prevent disease. And what she's saying is like, that's what we all like. As soon as we're just uneasy about something, we're running to something to distract us, either the food or, you know, wine or something. But sometimes you just have to go, you know what? I, I am going to have, I'm going to be able to sit here with a little bit unease and I don't have to, you know, self-medicate with all these different things.
0: Yeah, I think that the other thing I think is helpful too is to lean in psychologically to the challenge, right? So, okay, I know this is going to be difficult. I know this is going to be challenging. I'm going to derive power from that challenge. Mm. You know, I'm going to derive pride and power from my standing up to this desire. It will pass. It, I wouldn't dream of eating lunch now. People ask me all the time, well, don't you want to look? No, I don't <laughs> want anything to eat. It's just going to make me feel bad. Mm-hmm. I, it's like I'm going to lose an edge of energy. I have zero desire to eat and, in fact, turn down the opportunity quite often. And, and at times I will go to a lunch and sit with people while they eat. They're like, aren't you uncomfortable? Aren't you hungry? No, no, I'm not.
1: That's right. And, and you can enjoy the, the people and have more conversation instead of them just, you know, the whole time shoving food in their mouth. So that's great. Um, Here is from Ashley in Portland. I'm only eating one meal a day now, but what's happening is I'm getting super ravenous by that time. So my portion sizes ends up being absolutely huge. How can I keep my portion size down without feeling like I'm starving myself?
0: Uh, Super, super simple answer to that is just increase your fat. So, fat is caloric dense, uh, has high, high calorie density, but fat is also extremely satiating. So, start off with fattier foods first. Eat an avocado, right? Um, anything fatty, avocado is a great choice, right? Olive oil on your vegetables, just to increase your fat. The fat is very satiating. I don't have her experience, I'm not ravaged. I mean, men and women are different, of course, and have different, everybody has a different response to fasting. Right. For me it just happens to work very well. Some people doesn't work as well. Most people don't give it a fair chance because they don't really get there. They don't really get fat adaptive. Like as I said, being ketogenic makes fasting super, super easier. So I would you know, I would recommend that that it sounds like maybe she needs to cut her carbs back right? So if you cut your carbs back to say 30 grams or less per day and increase the fat, I think that will go away. But again, that's a ketogenic, that's therapeutic ketogenic diet may not work for her. Some women are not, some women don't do well on keto. So, you know, you just have to experiment. But the thing I think really to remember is that we have to give ourselves ample time to really have a a, a successful experiment. Right, because there's going to be a period of adjustment where you're going to be uncomfortable when you go from eating, you know, carbs to no carbs. There's definitely going to be a period of adjustment. Right, Mm -hmm. you're going to have low energy, you know, while your while your brain is trying to figure out with your liver how to get ketones up there because it's been lazy burning glucose. You know, it's going to take a little period of time, and it will be for most people quite uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it's but I would say lower the carbs and increase the fat. I think would, would, and eat fat first, get some fat in your system, like an avocado, which is super filling.
1: And even like 15 minutes before, like having the avocado or the nuts or something, 20 minutes, and then go for eating eating your meal. All right, right, this next one is from Sam in Pittsburgh. I love Vu champagne. It's my absolute favorite. How do I know... If it's bad for me, I don't feel terrible after drinking it, but I don't feel great.
0: Well, I tell you how, you know, because it's because it's industrially farmed and it's additive filled and it has sugar in it. So no question about it. Vuv is like this huge, huge producer. Huge. Right. Uh, the one thing I do, I mean, they do a great job on packaging. I love the orange okay. labels, and it feels sexy, and you want to drink it. They've done a great job, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, it contains additives. It has been industrially farmed. It is not organic for sure, and for sure it contains sugar. Most of champagne, most of the champagne region is industrial farmed, almost all of it. Um, there's, there are two natural wine producers in the whole region. The rest of it is industrially farmed and filled with additives. You can't make wine in that volume. Like they sell millions and millions and millions of bottles a year. Right, you can't make wine in that volume without the use of additives. So what he could do is, is, is drink a, he could drink a natural sparkling wine. And I think he would have a very different, it's only can be called champagne if it's grown in the Champagne region. All other wines that are not grown in Champagne that are sparkling are just are known as sparkling wines. Uh, yes. As I said, there's only two natural wine producers in the Champagne region. We do business with both of them, but they don't make very high volume. They couldn't make anything like, you know, like an industrial product like Vouv. When you think of these things, you have to think of, you know, they want to make it sound sexy and they want to sell a story and they got beautiful packaging. But these these are industrial products that are made in factories, huge factories, right? This is not like. This is not like some Riddler turning champagne bottles in some cave. I mean, this like these are like huge, massive factories that are the size of multiple football fields, right? They're huge. They're spread, you know, that's, that's where, what people don't know, because the wine industry has done a great job of keeping this secret, is that the um, 52% of all the wines manufactured in the United States are made by just, three giant conglomerates the top 30 companies make over 70 percent of u.s wines now how why people don't know that is because these wine conglomerates these multi-billion dollar marketing conglomerates hide behind tens of thousands of labels and brands so they have you believe that you're drinking from a farmhouse or a chateau when in fact you're drinking from massive manufacturing facilities in Central California, and they're all located in the Central Valley, and they're the size of multiple football fields put together. I mean, they're massive, right? That's where they make all this wine. So three companies are making over half of all U.S. wine, and they want you to—they want to fool you. Right? They wanna sell you wine through a magazine ad that's got you know, some pretty girl in a vineyard and who looks healthy and happy and, you know, and they've got a picture of the winery behind it. Right? That, that tasting room, but that's not, that's not where wines are made. Wines are made in factories. Right? So anyway, that's why we sell and drink you know, 100% natural, organic, additive-free, lab-tested natural wines from small family farms. Right.
1: Well, and I think it's I think the part that you said, the fact that you can't even get your wine from the United States because it's not getting you the quality of wine that you're looking for is pretty sad.
0: Not healthy, not healthy wine. You know, I'm sure that there are some, quote, quality wines in the U.S., but they're not healthy. Mm. Right. And so that's the difference. I need to know what's in that bottle. Right. Mm. I need to know the farming practices of that family. I need to know from lab testing what's in that bottle. And that's Mm -hmm. the only way I can know, particularly even like sugar-free. The only way you know if a wine is sugar-free is to lab test it. Mm. Because with the acid in wine, even taste professionals like us can't taste the sugar, unless it's high. You know, if it's super high, of course you'd taste it. But Mm. but if it's, you know, let's say it's five or 10 grams a liter, uh, we can't taste that. We'll find it in a lab test. Uh, And so... And, you know, we're super... Look, we think sugar is the most widely abused, dangerous, and addictive drug on the planet. Mm. And uh, and we're just rabidly anti-sugar. I don't want to drink it, you know. Mm. I mean, and, and I don't eat it. And I go to great lengths to avoid it, you know, because it's so disruptive to our hormonal system. It's so disruptive to our health.
1: Yes. Well, that goes straight to our last question. And this is from Jamie in Springfield. I just started keto and I need a more keto friendly lower sugar wine or champagne option. What is the name of the lowest sugar or sparkling wine? And how much sugar would be in a lowest amount of sugar wine? And I need to find out what is the highest amount that I would find in a bottle.
0: Uh, well, I mean, categorically, sugar in wine can range from zero grams per liter. This is how sugar is measured in wine. It's, it's, it's in the grams per liter. And so it can be from zero to as high as nearly 300 grams per liter. And the reason that this is about 130 grams per liter in Coca-Cola. Now, when, when we talk about this hundred plus grams, we're talking about Dessert wines, uh, late harvest wines, ice wines, rot wines. See, I mean, they, these are very, very intentionally sweet and very dense wines. That's not where the problem comes in. And I'll address the sparkling thing in a moment. So the problem comes in in the commercial wines when, 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 when wine is ranging from say 10 to 40 grams per liter, right? that That's where the danger zone is. And a lot of commercial wines contain sugar, right? Intentionally, but, so in sparkling wines, the lowest sparkling wines are the most difficult wines to find sugar-free because of the way they're made. So most sparkling wines contain sugar. The only way to know if wine contains sugar or not is to lab test it. So the lowest the sparkling wine will be or any wine will be is zero grams per liter, right? And so the highest could be, you know, anywhere in the range I just gave you, probably between, you know, 10 and 50 grams per liter, so, but again, the, I, I can't name, you know, finding sparkling wines, it's very difficult for us to find sugar-free natural sparkling wines. You know, we but probably explain
1: have. why, explain why on that, because you said it's because of the way it's made.
0: Well, because of the way, the way sparkling wines are made, the, there's a secondary fermentation that happens in the bottle, um, after the wine's made so the wine is made then it's re-fermented again so sugar is added right or or some component of sugar whether that's coming from grape juice or you know no matter how the sugar gets back in sugar is getting back in the wine again after it's made and then there's a there's a secondary fermentation that happens in the bottle right and so with natural wines you can't you don't generally have sugar left over because there's no sulfur dioxide to, to, uh, to preserve the wine. And so, and you can't have it. You don't want to have an ongoing second secondary fermentation. So in champagne or in sparkling wines, whether it's grown in champagne or not, they are all through dosage. they They, they, they get sugar added to them and then they ferment in the bottle again. And the carbon dioxide from the fermentation is caught in the bottle. That's what causes it to be, sparkling so it's just it's not most of the sugar does not get fermented out where a natural winemaker if it's his desire to to fully ferment the wine and have it be sugar-free those are the sparkling wines we sell most all sparkling wines in the market like Prosecco's Prosecco's almost 100% industrially farmed anyway but so most all sparkling wines contain sugar Mm. which is which is the reason that we do lab testing. So if you get a sparkling wine from us, you know it's sugar-free.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say I have the answer to that. Go to ChantelRayWay.com slash dryfarm, and you're going to get the best you can pick from there of which wine you want to get, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think we'd give you a penny bottle with that, right?
1: Yeah, so talk to everybody about this. Um, how, what they can do to try your wines out. We wanna send them to chantalrayway.com slash dry farm. And what do they get when they go there?
0: So they have the option to, to buy a six bottle or a 12 bottle collection, and we give you a free bottle for one penny uh, extra with your first order just to say thank you and congratulations for trying this. If we also have a 100% happiness guarantee, Any bottle you don't like, we'll either replace it or refund it. No questions asked. No need to send it back. Don't have to send us a picture of it. Don't have to do anything except tell us, I don't like that wine. We'll give your money back or send you a replacement bottle. Mm -hmm. We are a wine club, and so it is a subscription, but we don't make it difficult to cancel. You can cancel, as 16% of buyers do. They buy a box and cancel the same day before they ever taste the wine because they don't want a subscription at that time now maybe they taste the wine and come back and resubscribe later but so we don't make it easy we don't make it difficult to to cancel it's super simple we're not trying to loop people into a membership it's just we sell wine to pretty regular wine drinkers who like to get wine on a regular Mm -hmm. basis and they Mm -hmm. know they can't get our wine anywhere except directly from us we don't sell to retailers we don't sell to restaurants the only way to get our lab-tested, high-quality, additive-free, natural wines is directly from us. And so for most people, it just makes it easy for them to have a membership. You can come, go, stay. If you sign up for our email list, we do twice-a-month offers that require no commitment. But the only mm. way to see those is to be on our email list. And so they can uh, go to our website at dryfarmwines.com and sign up for our email list and don't have to buy anything, mm. Right and then they'll see these twice a month and holiday promotions that we do that are one-time orders. So, you know, there's but if you if but but basically we're a wine club, so you know, people like the convenience of getting regular shipments.
1: That's awesome. Well, I feel like we did a great job with these questions. They had such great questions. What else that people didn't ask that you feel like, you know, let's add this in. What did, what did we miss? that people need to know about your wines and drinking clean wines?
0: Uh, That's a really important question. I'm glad you asked it because it's about to slip past me. Low alcohol. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is a dangerous neurotoxin and a destructive drug. We don't sell any wines over 12 and percent alcohol. Standard wines now are almost 15% on average. We wow. sell wines as low as 6%. So we sell wines between six and 12 and a percent drinking low alcohol wine is a huge advantage to your health and your wellness and how you're going to feel and your hydration levels you know not waking up in the middle of the night dehydrated Mm -hmm. right and so really backing off of alcohol alcohol is a alcohol is a really toxic and dangerous drug one that we should treat with care i love wine i don't love alcohol Right. And so drinking lower alcohol wines leads to a more elevated buzz, a greater sense of creativity and connection. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just a better outcome. And so, yeah, I think, I think really being careful about the alcohol levels in your wine. Here's the other problem with, with the wine industry, they're in collusion with the government. Again, the wine stated, the alcohol stated on a bottle of wine by law is not required to be accurate. The only way to know how much wine, how much alcohol is in wine is to lab test it, which we do, right? Mm. And so, listen, we taste hundreds of wines a month around the world, from around the world. We only accept 30% of the natural wines that we taste, right? Mm. Because either they don't meet our lab requirements or they don't meet our taste aesthetic, one or the other. So, you know, we're very particular about what we buy.
1: Well, your wines are amazing.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. So it's, so yeah, just, just, just being, and the other thing I would mention, which when you asked me about the wine club, look, our our wine is super affordable for a handcrafted fine premium wine. It's only $25 per bottle, which for handcrafted fine wine is a great value. Yes. Now it's, it's not the $10 wine you're going to see in your grocery stores filled with poison, but you know, wines where I live in the Napa Valley are commonly a hundred, 150, $250 a bottle. Right, mm-hmm. and so for fine handcrafted wines, twenty-five dollars is actually a very, a very, very good value.
1: That's awesome. Well, we want to give you this amazing deal. So if you go to chantelrayway.com/slash-dryfarm, you can try it out, and it is amazing, and it's good for you. So thank you so much for being on the show, Todd.
0: Oh my God, I love you. I love seeing you in San Diego. You were so yes. enthusiastic. You're like super, super cool. <laughs> and uh, it was so much fun to have you in the audience and get to Thank meet you. you and share wine with you and yes. share some love. So awesome. uh, thanks for having me on today.
1: Thank you. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at chantalrayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.